Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Backus. And today, uh, which is October 31st, 2022, I'm going to talk about Samhain, pronounced, uh, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, in case you're not familiar with it, which is uh, the precursor, the origin of Halloween and All Saints Day, uh, comes out of the Celtic culture. And then that will lead in a little bit to Mars retrograde in Gemini and Saturn, because everything's about Saturn these days for me. But I wanted to say thank you first for listening and welcome to this podcast. And remember that this is my whole purpose with the Natural Wisdom Podcast is to talk about by myself as well as with others ways that we can reconnect with nature within ourselves and understand that we are part of the natural world. We're part of the earth community and find ways of, of honoring that connection and that part of rather than apart from. And one of the ways we can honor our connection with nature in the natural world is by honoring the natural cycles. I've talked a little bit about how to do that through food and lifestyle. Uh, we certainly do that through astrology. Astrology um, is essentially the study of patterns and cycles in the natural world, starting with the sun and the moon, and then going all the way out through, uh, well, we can do it through the constellations if we're doing it on the longer time frames. And then we do it through the rest of the planets um, and asteroids and whatever other objects you want to take a look at. They all have cycles and they all correspond to cycles in our lives and in our bodies. So today, uh, although this is the day that we typically see Samhain and Halloween celebrated, the holiday, the holy day of Samhain is actually a, the cross quarter day, what's known as a cross quarter holy day, because it's on the halfway point between, in this case, the summer solstice and, uh, sorry, the, the fall equinox and the winter solstice. So the, the cross quarter days are when we take the year and divide it by eight. And then we get eight different holy days, eight different places of marking where the sun is with respect to the earth. You could even divide it into eight different seasons. It's just that we tend to lump them into four seasons. And then we mark those by the equinoxes and the solstices. But this cross quarter holy day of Samhain, as I said, marks the halfway point between uh, Libra season, between the equinox, the fall, the autumn equinox in the Northern hemisphere when light and dark hang in the balance. And then the winter solstice, again, in the Northern hemisphere where we're at the shortest day of the year and the light is the strongest, or sorry, the light is the weakest, the dark is the strongest. So we're at another sort of in-between season, this halfway point. And this season of Samhain is, it's actually considered the beginning of the new year in ancient traditions, in Celtic traditions, for instance, and in some indigenous cultures here in North America. And it took me a while to figure out why that would be. Why would we celebrate the new year just as it's getting darkest, just as the sun is sinking the lowest in the sky 
and and becoming um, the weakest. Right, the sun is almost at its weakest point right now, uh, as it it as it sinks lower and lower towards the horizon, and everything is dying. This is a season of death. So why is this beginning a new year? Well, there are a couple of reasons, um, and and of course you can think of your own way of of understanding this and your own way of ascribing meaning. And maybe you don't want to use this time of year as a beginning, um, but every ending, which is of course what we're in, every ending is a beginning. And because of our, what I would say, uh, less than healthy relationship with death, we forget that. We forget that every death is also the birth of something new, including our own death, right? Uh, depending on how you look at um, rebirth and reincarnation, but our own death is a birth of something new. We just don't know what it is. And that's another theme that I'll get to in a moment is uncertainty. This is a time of uncertainty. Well, let's just go back to the ending and beginning for a moment. So Samhain uh, is a time of endings and it's also a new year. And you could think of it similar to considering the dusk the dusk period of a day as beginning the next day. And that would be another way of another parallel to this idea that we're talking about the beginning of a new year right now. Um, so it has to do with the light and the fact that we're letting go of the old day or the old year from the sun's perspective and so by definition, we're starting into a new phase, a new year. So that might be one way of explaining that this is the start of a new year for some, in some cultures, some people. But the other thing, and this became clear um, through a couple of different recent readings, one fiction, one nonfiction, nonfiction that I did, and also just wandering around in the forest this last weekend in the mountains and really observing what's going on. Well, of course we know that the, the leaves are falling off the trees and the shrubs. So there's that letting go and that ending. But the other thing is if you start to look closely at the plants um, that are that the plants that you can still see that aren't maybe buried under snow in some places, you see that they've gone to seed. And so everything has is now in that sort of dried, um, appearing to be dead mode, where all you can see what's left is the seeds and the seeds are being harvested by the squirrels, the seeds and the nuts. Um, the seeds are falling to the ground to be buried under snow where they'll incubate, incubate before they start to come back up again in the spring. So this is a time literally of seeding new beginnings in nature. And again, these traditional holy days and these traditional ways of connecting with the world had so much to do with direct observation of nature. So that's one of the direct observations you can make right now is go and look at the seeds. Go and look at uh, the seeds on the plants, especially maybe in your garden, if you have a garden, but it's a, especially out in the wild, if you even in a city park wild, if there are places that aren't mowed and, and manicured, you can go and look at the, the just the variety of seeds. 
in my area, um, there are still some berries hanging on. Snowberries are the obvious ones. And in my area where I often come across um, the things that bears leave behind, for instance, tracks, right now what you find um, in the, the poop piles from bears is seeds. And that's one of the ways that the seeds get spread around. And so this is, again, sort of endings and beginnings. It's just an, an odder way to think about it. So we're in that season of things dying, but also leaving behind the seeds, the literal seeds of new life, getting ready to hibernate and um, be sort of sheltered for the winter in the dark and under the snow. Um, and the other thing about this time of year and what Samhain represents and what it, um, what the celebrations are about this time of year is that this is also the last harvest. This is the final harvest. So for instance, in my area in the wild, uh, the bears are harvesting the last bits of the snowberries. Um, people are harvesting animals because it's hunting season, it's rifle season here. Uh, there are uh, rose hips, there's a few rose hips left, and there might be some old dried up berries, even in my part of the world where it's starting to get very cold at night. And so there's this final harvest aspect. And then in a big agricultural um, sense, this is also when we harvest uh, some of the winter roots, beets and carrots and potatoes and the storage crops. This is a time where people are finishing up their preserving, their canning. Uh, they're maybe making things, um, breads and other things that might keep for a little bit longer. They're putting away grains. This is a time for harvesting and storing and prepping for the winter. And that brings us back again to this theme of uncertainty. In the times when we were more connected to the land, especially in the temperate climates, the climates that have all these seasons, the four seasons. This is the time when we don't know what kind of winter we're getting. We maybe have been more connected to looking for the signs of a winter, what kind of winter it's going to be, how early and how much hair the animals get on can be an indicator. Um, maybe it's the, the, abundance of the berry harvest or the lateness of the berry harvest. There might be indicators, but some of us, including me, aren't as in touch with those as we might have been when we were living closer to the land. So in reality, we really don't know what kind of winter we're going to get, how deeply cold it might be, and how long it might last, and how our food is going to last us over the winter. So in a way, this is a little bit of one of the last hurrahs. We get another one at the winter solstice at the turning point of the year. That's when Saturnalia is, is celebrated. And I'll talk more about that when we get to that time of year. But in terms of this Samhain time, this, this cross quarter between the equinox and the solstice, we're in a period of things dying, everything's getting dark, and we're directed more inward um, this is more of a time to go inward and get quiet, but we have this sort of last hurrah, this great harvest, where we look this uncertainty and fear in the eye and uh, work with it as best we can. 
And that's really all we can do, right? That's all we can do with any of these things is we can do all of the planning and preparing that we want, but in the end, it's just working with the reality of it, which sounds very Saturnian. And of course, that's um, that energy of Saturn is what I, again, I'll probably end with that because it's what's on my mind right now. So that talks a little bit about this time of year. There are many ways um, to celebrate Samhain. Uh, some of them, uh, one of them is to really prepare a couple of meals that are very specifically focused on what you're harvesting at this time, um, meat and the, the root vegetables. So whatever you're harvesting, and you can go to your farmer's market if it's not out of your garden. So preparing a very traditional, local, um, season-based meal. This is also because at this juncture of this year, the, uh, this is true of the day as well, dawn and dusk. But at this juncture of the year, which again is kind of like the dusk of the year, as you know, probably from Halloween and if you uh, celebrate All Saints Day, this is also considered a time where the veils are thinnest. It's very, it's easier if you're into such things to sort of have a conversation with the other side, with um, the, the dark side, with the other, and I don't mean dark as a negative, I mean the side that we can't see the hidden and invisible world that's parallel with this world uh, and with the ancestors. And so this is also a time where occult practices, and again, occult meaning what's hidden, we have to, I always feel like I have to remind people that occult does not mean um, mean, nasty, satanic worship where we're trying to hurt people. Occult simply means working with what's hidden, what's not right on the surface of the world. And so this is a great time for occult practices. And one of the things I personally like to do, I don't, uh, I'm not a great tarot practitioner. I don't work a lot with tarot cards, but this is a great time of year to do uh, an eight card tarot spread for the, to represent the eight different seasons. And you can pull a card and create the wheel of the year with the cards and then interpret and take a look at what the year coming looks like for you. I did that last year and I just went back and took a quick glance and noticed that the sort of the rhythms that were counted in that, um, that uh, Samhain spread that I did last year seemed to be pretty spot on in terms of how I was feeling and what challenges I was facing and what was coming to light at the various cross-quarter holidays throughout the year. So I'll do that again. That's one of my ways of celebrating. I will probably do some kind of an ancestor dinner. One of the uh, practices when I was doing the, a little bit of research today is called a dumb, dumb supper. Dumb meaning silent, meaning no speaking. So that might be a fun way to practice. And that's a great way to honor your food is to just eat silently and focus on the food. And if you're with other people, you might find that surprisingly difficult to do. In fact, even if you're not with other people, a lot of us have a tendency uh, to get caught in the, the uh, sort of the habits of watching TV or reading something or even thinking while we're eating rather than just focusing on the food. And so that would be a great practice for a whole bunch of reasons to uh, have that silent meal, that dumb supper 
as one of the ways of honoring the ancestors. And then that might be a way of connecting through silence, right? Uh, connecting to the other side through silence instead of thinking and talking about it all the time. So, so those are just some really simple ways. And of course, honoring the darkness, the other thing that we can do both now and as we get closer to the winter solstice, as the days continue to get shorter and the nights continue to get longer, is honor the dark by doing less when it's dark. In the ancient times, we would have been sitting around a fire, perhaps, but we probably also would have gone and spent a lot of time in bed and a lot of time just lying there and resting. This is a time to to build more rest into our schedules. So you could practice turning off electronics earlier. You could practice turning off lights earlier. You could practice just sitting in the darkness and contemplating for a while or lying in bed in the darkness and contemplating. Um, these are, you know, there are, we can connect with people in the darkness as well. Uh, whether we're talking or just sitting companionably, or of course there are many other ways, right? But that's the, the uh, this honoring the darkness is something we don't do much in our culture. And that's what this time of year is about. Uh, so there are a couple of things that I just said that, that made me think too about some of the other kind of the astrological backdrop for this time of year. The Samhain and, and these cross-quarter holidays are specifically about the position of the sun, right? So by honoring these holy days, these cross-quarter holy days, we're honoring the sun and the seasons because the seasons are based on the sun. But we could think about some of the other planets and what's going on now, uh, which are on longer cycles, different cycles. And for instance, one of the backdrops to this particular Samhain is the fact that Mars has just stationed to turn retrograde in the sky. And that means moving, apparently moving backwards through the zodiac from our perspective on the earth. And Mars is the planet of action. It's the planet of desire. It has to do with energy and what energizes us and where we put our energy. And we've been talking about this in the podcast, both me alone, as well as with Emily Trinkus, uh, astrologer Emily Trinkus in the last couple of episodes. So you can go back and look at those if you wanna hear more about Mars and Gemini. Uh, and Mars retrograde, but here briefly, this is, uh, so Mars just began its retrograde journey and Mars in Gemini has a lot to do with where we put our attention and what we say. Gemini is how we perceive things and how we communicate. And it's that relationship we have with our immediate environment and the people right around us. And so Mars going retrograde in Gemini has a lot to do with rethinking and re-evaluating where we focus our attention and how we speak uh, and how we speak about things. And if you remember some of the conversations or some of the discussions I've had about karma, thoughts drive speech, well, belief, beliefs drive thoughts, thoughts drive speech, speech drives action. So this is, again, uh, a way of sort of reevaluating where we're going, the direction, right? Mars is very directional, what direction we're heading in, how we speak about it, what stories we tell about our lives, 
what stories we tell ourselves in general and what stories we're focusing on. And because this is such a powerful time of the year at Samhain and Mars is especially powerful in the sky as it turns around, as it stops and stands still from our perspective, this is an especially important time to pay attention to what we say and what we think because it creates our reality. And that, again, you can go back and listen to the conversations about karma, but it creates our karma uh, and, it cre and that means creating our destiny. And so if we're, for instance, Mars uh, is the warrior, right? Mars has that very fiery, hot energy. And in Gemini, that can be a very critical energy. It can be uh, a very negative critiquing kind of energy. And because an, a retrograde often points us inward, what we might notice is more self-criticism coming up at this time. And again, it's how we're focusing our energy. So if we're focusing our energy on criticism, whether it's on ourselves or somebody else, this is a time to catch that and pause, take a, a moment to pause. It's also a very retrograde-ish kind of thing to do. Slow down, take a breath, pause and reevaluate. And maybe we can turn that criticism into something else. So instead of, uh, well, here's an example from my life. I just did my Saturn workshop uh, just a little over a week ago. This was my free workshop on Saturn archetypes and how Saturn is the key to your embodied life, to manifesting the life you want. So if I'm uh, paying attention to Mars in retrograde and my thought process and the ways that I'm thinking and speaking to myself, I have the option of spending most of my attention on the things I didn't do as well as I wish I would have, right? All the things I forgot to say, or maybe how I wasn't as organized as I'd like to be. There's a, a long list, right? There always is a long list of things I could have done better. Um, many of you will recognize this, and maybe many of you always grew up with somebody telling you how you could have done better in a bid to make you the best you can be. Uh, and yes, I'm saying that very sarcastically, which is another Mars and Gemini thing. Uh, but the, the way I can flip that around is to celebrate the fact that I did it, celebrate the fact that I, I gave out a lot of information. I put together an entire handout on Saturn archetypes, which has a lot of wisdom in it. Yes, will it improve? Will it could be, could it be better? Will I probably edit it and revise it and expand on it as I deepen my study of Saturn? Of course, anybody who's ever written and published anything, whether it was a letter or a blog post or a book, has probably had that experience of thinking at some point later when you remembered this thing that you wrote, oh my gosh, I forgot such and such, or oh my gosh, I forgot. I, 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 thought that then, and now I think this now, and that was such a, uh, an incomplete way of talking about it. Of course, that's going to be the truth. That's always going to be the way things are, right? We will always have ways to, to do things better and to think about ways to improve. But that 
does not need to take away from the accomplishment itself. And so with this Mars retrograde in Gemini, uh, this whole way of rethinking and reevaluating and refocusing attention, uh, maybe that's another way of honoring uh, both the darkness of the season as we go more inward and this Mars retrograde in Gemini as we're also being point, pointed back inward in terms of how we think and the stories that we tell. Maybe we can even look back on some of these things that we've criticized ourselves for and find something to celebrate. No matter how badly we did something, we, we did it, right? We accomplished something. Uh, there was an intention behind it. And the, even if mistakes, again, we can find uh, a way to celebrate even the mistakes, the, even the biggest mistakes of our lives, whatever they might be, because at least we were acting, we were doing something. And uh, we can retell the stories in our minds about our actions. It's again, another Mars action, retrograde, re, and then Gemini telling. So it's another way to think about it is we can retell some of the old stories in our lives. This is a very good time for that. And again, remembering the whole idea of karma as the beliefs and stories, survival stories. That's another Mars in Gemini, survival stories. Mars is about survival. Um, one of the sort of basic fundamental aspects of it is that that ability to survive and act um, so mars in um, gemini retrograde again could be about re reevaluating the survival stories which come which are essentially representative representative of our karma which come out of our old traumas our old pain and so we can this is an excellent time to be releasing karma and there's another connection here, uh, this Mars retrograde Gemini with this particular season of Samhain and the sun in Scorpio, right? Well, one of the things I forgot to mention earlier, so I'll detour briefly and say that the actual date of Samhain this year is about November 7th. And it would have been celebrated later than October 31st before it got conflated with the Christian holidays before the, the, the Christian churches sort of overlaid their holy days on top of the, the pagan and the, the traditional holy days. And so before that, we would have celebrated Samhain probably for a longer period of time. It would have been like a feast week rather than a feast day. Um, and it would have been closer to November 6th or 7th because that would have been when the sun reached the midpoint of Samhain, and that would have been more the true midpoint between the equinox and the solstice. And the ancient people certainly knew how to calculate this, and they didn't use a Gregorian, again, Christian church-based calendar in order to do it. They used the actual position of the sun. So even though I'm telling you this on October 31st, and on the day that my calendar says Halloween, the, the real Samhain, the, the real time of Samhain, the real cross-quarter holy day is actually very close to the U.S. election and the full moon eclipse, the total lunar eclipse, 
that happens uh, a week from tomorrow. Uh, so that's the, the, the digression. And if I could remember uh, what I was talking about, what I was talking about is the other reason that Mars is so um, important right now and this Mars retrograde in Gemini has uh, so, something that we can really work with is because Mars is the traditional ruler of Scorpio. So Mars, the planet Mars is kind of the presiding deity over this time of year um, with the sun in Scorpio. And so that's why this retrograde and this station, this time of stillness of Mars, this time of gathering strength of Mars as it goes backwards, has more, uh, we have more capacity for working with it. We have more opportunity for working with it right now at this cross quarter holy day because it's the presiding deity, because it's extra strong and because there's so much opportunity again to be retelling these stories of survival. I'm just looking at my notes to see what else I wanted to talk about. Um, the other thing, the other phrase that came up and I uh, is not, Mars is the warrior, right? So this is a, the archetype of the warrior because it is a forceful energy. It's an outward directed energy. It's an assertive energy. Uh, and Mars and Gemini, one of the, the maybe pieces of advice for this Mars and Gemini journey, and Mars will be retrograde until early January or mid-January, and then it will be in Gemini for a while longer. And this is a very, very long period of time for Mars to be in Gemini. And again, go back and listen to some of the other conversations or uh, Emily did an entire course, an entire class on Mars and Gemini retrograde. So you could go catch up on that as well. Um, but again, this whole Mars and Gemini, Mars being the warrior, Gemini having to do, deal with the mind and our perception, one of the temptations or shadows of this Mars and Gemini period might be going to war with our minds. And again, if you've done spiritual study or embodiment practice, or so many uh, of the healing practices, you know that the mind sometimes gets made into an enemy and the mind can be an enemy, right? The mind can twist us around and get us out of touch with our physical lived reality. The mind has the ability to go into the future and into the past and get out of the now. Um, but one of my, uh, the spiritual teacher who had the greatest impact on my life used to talk about not going to war with the mind because you would be at war for a very long time. And so this is a time to pay attention to what's going on up here, where, what the wheels are turning, um, what the stories that we're telling ourselves, but not to go to war with it. So yes, uh, notice, noticing, bringing to awareness is the most powerful healing, especially bring to awareness with compassion, which again, I know I've talked about in recent times. So that's the other thing I wanted to say about Mars and Gemini and the other opportunity that we have as we sort of sink into the darkness at this time of year, maybe because the nights are longer, if we start honoring that darkness and honoring the nights, maybe if you're like me, especially during this eclipse season, 
you find yourself lying awake in the middle of the night with the mind going a little bit more than you'd like. But this might be a good opportunity to notice where is the mind going? What, what wheels are spinning? And can we use that awareness to change the stories and to reevaluate where we're putting our energy or particularly our mental energy? Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about today, and I may talk about this again in the next episode, but because we're, we're in between eclipses, uh, we're not quite halfway in between. No, actually we are, we're about halfway in between eclipses today. So we have this, we had the solar eclipse last week, last Tuesday, and then we have the, the full moon lunar eclipse, the total lunar eclipse next week, next Tuesday, actually on election day here in the US, November 8th. And that one is exactly conjunct Uranus, um, lots of astrology, lots of startling, shocking astrology uh, around that one. It's a big, it's kind of a big deal, big energies. One of the things that comes up at this time of year uh, and in Scorpio and in eclipse season, we have this sort of trifecta of fear indicators right now. We've got um, strong Mars uh, turning retrograde. We've got this dark time of the year. We're in the middle of eclipse season and this uncertainty about what the next season will bring. And one of the things I've been working with lately is noticing, um, noticing that this is part of the Plutonian journey I've been on for a few years now, but noticing how much uncertainty throws me into fear and then how I tighten up out of that fear and then make everything worse, right? That's what fear does. It, it's not a good place from which to act. And I know people, you'll hear lots of people saying we need fear because it keeps us from burning our hands on the stove. I actually don't agree with that. I don't know that fear is an emotion that we, um, it has, has something for us. It shows us what we love. It shows us what's important. It shows what's our, what our desires are. Fear is a pointer and an indicator. It's an energy like everything else, like anger, like grief, like love, like joy. It's an energy and it has information for us as an energy. Um, but back to what I was saying, this time of uncertainty and particularly uh, with the eclipse season sort of heightening everything and this period of accelerated change, which is another hallmark of eclipse season, there's a lot of uncertainty and therefore fear. And what people tend to do when they're not what tends to happen when we're working with fear unconsciously, again, in this culture at this time is this tightening down and trying to control things even more. And if you've tried to control things, you know, it rarely works. You might be able to control outcomes for a brief period, but there's a huge cost to that tightening down and trying to control things. And this is something I've been working a lot with, with Saturn, because Saturn is, it's the energy of contraction and shadow Saturn is about trying to control uh, and Saturn and Pluto together sort of amplify that. And that's what we've been living through the past few years. And that's the tension that we're 
in the end of is this tension between freedom and control uh, because we've we've because we've let fear put us into that contracting and controlling energy again because we live in a dominator culture right we because we live uh, i talked about this in the saturn workshop because we live in a distorted time where we don't understand how to co-create and cooperate anymore because we've gotten so we've gotten to the point where we think we need to control and we can control so that's one of the risks of this time of year and that's one one of the risks of this particular period particularly as we lead up to this so this lunar eclipse next week in Taurus we're still on that Taurus Scorpio axis and Taurus has a little bit of that. It's an earth sign. It's a fixed sign. It's, it has some of that holding and tightening and trying to, um, trying to sort of stand still energy. At any rate, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the astrology, but that's what we're in right now is a time where fear could be front and center. And the way to work with that, again, notice the fearful stories that we tell ourselves, notice the ways that we try to contract and control, and then see if we can't create a new story. So I've talked about it again um, in the past with these, this energy of these particular eclipses and Uranus and Saturn, especially Saturn. There are probably a lot of astrology stories out there about how horrible things could be and how we could have food shortages and supply chain disruptions, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth with these eclipses and monetary collapses. There's lots of doom saying out there, again, because of the time of year and the particular energies of these seasons and the distortion overlaid the top of all of it that says we need to control it because we can't trust life to unfold. And that's what I would say is one of the uh, opportunities again, is to notice where we're going into fear. Notice how that fear is so tied to the uncertainty around the future. And the only way I know around that, and I know I've said this before, is to come back to now, come back to what we truly, truly desire, that fear points to a desire. It points to something we love. Focus on that desire. Focus on the, what we want. Spend our energy and our attention on that. And then act from that place, right? That's a place of love. Rather than a fear of what we don't want, it's a love of what we do want. Rather than a fear of, um, of what somebody else might do, it's a love for what we can do. It's a love for our own energy, our own life force and expressing that life force. And again, that's the Taurus Scorpio axis too, is this expression of life force. So, so many places, my, and this is one of the hallmarks too of Mars and Gemini, very difficult to focus, right? Gemini is a mutable air sign. It has not got the energy of focus. It has the energy of movement and movement and many things at once. So this is, you're, you're seeing it in action 
with my inability to kind of wrap things up and stick to one thought right now. So I'm gonna try again to wrap up um, by simply saying, uh, don't go to war with yourself. Don't go to war with your thoughts. Honor the darkness, honor the past. Uh, and I hope this has been helpful. And I hope that you have a wonderful season of Samhain over this whole period, this whole next week, uh, whether you celebrate it today, uh, whether you celebrate it through Halloween, whether you don't celebrate it at all, at least honor um, this sort of time of the seasons. And if you're in a different hemisphere, if you're in the Southern hemisphere, it's a little bit different, right? Things are coming to light. And that in itself is its own new beginning as well. Um, but here, here in the North, we're celebrating the darkness. We are witnessing this, this transition time of autumn between light and dark. And just maybe you're celebrating some kind of a new beginning and treating this as a way of starting a whole new year, a whole new cycle with the seasons. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. And I will talk to you again in a couple of weeks.